0: Thank you for visiting PulpitPower.com, promoting old-fashioned, Holy Spirit-anointed preaching from the Word of God. It is our prayer that the following message would be a blessing to you and draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you wish to email us, the address is Master at PulpitPower.com. I'm going to begin reading with verse 28. And I want you to stand with me in just a moment. We'll read the Word of God. I'll get right into the message. I'm going to speak on if God sets your barley field on fire. I want you to stand with me, please, all over the house, and we're going to look in the Word of God. Everyone standing, the reverence, the reading of the Scripture. The Bible says, Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 28, so Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Therefore, Absalom sent for Joab to have him sent to him to the king. But he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Now look this way. I want to help you on something tonight. The Bible said, therefore, Absalom. Now you know who Absalom was. Absalom was that son of David. Not many of you know who Joab was. He was a nephew of David. They were about the same age. And when Samuel anointed David at the house of Jesse... David's sister said, Joab, there's David. David's going to be God's anointing. Stand by David. Oh, when a mother has that kind of incentive to say to her child, there's God's man. You better stand with him. And so the mother, the sister of David, said to her son Joab, Joab. There's God's man. And so we see the two he's talking about here. One's his son, the other's his nephew. Now listen what the Bible said, beginning with verse 30. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field, it is near mine. He hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servant set it on fire. And Absalom's servant set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? Look this way, and I'm going to let you be seated in just a moment. Here's what he really asked. He said, Why don't you do it? Boy, well, he said, That field meant more to me than anything else in this world. My barley field, he said, in these words, so to speak. My barley fields, my heart dream. Well, he said, I'd walk out in the night and look over that glistering field in the sun or the moonlight. And he said, You burn it to the ground. Why, or wherefore, has thy servant, why did he do it? And then the king's son says, We called you once and you wouldn't come. And we called you twice and you wouldn't come. Therefore we set your barley field on fire. I want you to be seated, beloved, all over the house. We're going to pray, Father. I would thank you tonight for the privilege of being able to open up the Word of God. And Lord, we thank you that one day we did hear the call of God. I'm glad that the Lord called us and praise God. Many in this auditorium and many of the thousands, yea, maybe hundreds of thousands, will hear this radio. Oh, God, and they heard the call of God way back there. And what a blessing it is to obey the call of God. I pray that you will call some. Mother, dear Lord, that you'll call someday. I pray that this will be the night you'll call some young person out of darkness into the marvelous light of the glorious gospel. I pray tonight, dear Lord, that you'll call that one that's left you in fellowship and gone astray. And Lord, they're cold and indifferent toward the things of God. I pray that we'll hear that call tonight. And all that you do will praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak tonight on the subject if God sets your barley field on fire. Now, somebody says that's a strange type subject. I'll be first to admit that. Here's something a field. What are you talking about, Brother Maynes? A barley field that. There was hard by the house of Joab. What's that got to do with spiritual things? That was the thing that kept this man Joab from answering the call of David. That was the thing that kept him from coming when he was summoned to the king. Now, I don't know what's keeping you from the Lord, but something's keeping you from the call of God. I'm glad when I was a little boy, I heard God speak to me. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When I answered the call of God, I'm not ashamed of that old fashioned conviction that gripped my heart. I'm not ashamed that night God spoke to me as a young lad. I'm glad, brother, I heard that call. I answered that call, and God saved me. But here's another case. And the Bible says his name was Joab. Now, Joab didn't have time for the tea, and many today do not have Time for the King of Glory. Many people are so preoccupied and so busy here and there. They have no time to serve God. Now I want to tell you, mister, you better take time to be holy and think off to the Lord. We don't take time to worship anymore. We don't take time to serve God anymore. Oh, when we forget time and when we forget things and say, Blessed Jesus, I love you, dark mind. And we start to worship him. What a blessing it becomes. But here's the case of a man that had something very precious to his life. He had a heartstring every night. No doubt he'd walk out and look at that barley field. And he'd say, boys, I want you to look at the beauty of my barley field. But one day the king called him and he would not come. Joab said tell that king uh, to mind his own business. I'm not Coming. And then he came the second time, and the servant knocked on the door and said, Joab. The king hath need of thee. He said, Go tell that king I'm not coming. When he went back, David the king said, Take a torch and go up there to Joab's house and light that barley field. And when he sees the uh, the licking of the flames and when he hears the crackling of the barley, you won't have to knock anymore. He'll come running and fall down. I want to tell you, brother, when God... uh, Almighty, set your barley field on fire. I won't have to stand up in bed. A preacher won't have to weep over you and beseech you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's a picture of how God set this man's barley field on fire. But you say, I don't have a barley field. Every person in this auditorium you have some kind of a barley field. It may be your health. It may be your wealth. It may be your, your Child. but I want to tell you, Mr. Every person has a barley field. And I don't want God to set your barley field on fire. But in the story of Joab, hear about his barley field. There are three keys that unlock the story of this man. First of all, the first key, we have a great call. Let me talk to you about that call. The King sent word. That's a great call. But I want to tell you a greater call. All than that. When the King of Heaven arranged your number, Mister, when God begins to deal with you, when God begins to convict you, you'd better give heed to the call of God Almighty. Oh, when a man insults the Lord, when a man ignores that call, Mister, he's in trouble. But when you say, Lord, now, uh, speak to me again. You remember little Samuel? Samuel went over to see an old bachelor and priest and he went to bed. And that little boy got in that bed and covered up his head. Uh, The Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. He jumped up and ran into Eli and said, did you call me? Eli said, no, son, go get back in the bed. That little boy went barefooted, fell in the bed, covered up his head. And the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. He jumped out of bed and ran in there and said, Eli, did you call me? He said, no, son, go get back in bed. And the next time you hear that boy. Just say thy servant. That little old boy got back in bed. I don't believe he could wait. He kept saying, Lord, hurry up. I'm ready to hear your call. I'm ready to answer your call. And brother, God spoke to him again. And oh, happy day when God speaks to you. And you say, Lord, speak to me again when God convicts you and when God speaks to you. But notice the word call. And before I do that, let me say something. I would think it would be an honor if I'd leave here tonight after the television program, and I'd go to the motel, and they'd say, Ronald Reagan wants to speak to you. Uh, I'd say, uh, Mr. President... It's good to hear from you. You'd say that would be an honor. It sure would. But I'll tell you a bigger honor than that. Every once in a while, the Holy Ghost rings my telephone. I pick up that receiver, and God says, I want to have a little talk with you. Mother, when God calls, you'd better pick up the phone. And so we have the great call. Somebody said, Preacher, what is it? I've got it so great, God. Is the one that does the calling. But because of time, I'm going to give you four ways that God primarily, paramountly calls man. I want to give you four paramount ways that God speaks to man today. First, He calls man through preach. That's why we need some old-fashioned hellfire, damnation, preaching. I believe this country, brother, needs some old-fashioned dynamite in the woods and shell in the country. We need some preaching in this day in which we live. Preaching that will stir people and preaching that will cause a man to cry out, and brethren, what must I do to be saved? 1 Corinthians 1 says, God has chosen. The foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. My Bible said in those days came from the Baptist preaching. My Bible says when Paul was talking to that young preacher, he said, "Son." the time of my departure shall end. I'm about ready to leave the scene of action. But he looked down and said, Son, preach the Word. The instant in season and out of season, thank God, i preaching of the Word. Nothing will do your heart good like preaching. Oh, I love that preaching. I used to have a fellow in my church, and he loved preaching. He'd sit on the front row. And he's the only fellow I've ever seen that eat it, while he'd preach. He'd sit there and while I was preaching, said, that's good. And boy, I'd just keep on the preaching. And after a while, he'd scoot off near to the bench and look up and say, Give me another bite. Praise God. That's good. Now, if you don't believe you can preach in that kind of atmosphere, oh, when people are just chunking it in and enjoying the blessing, brother, a preacher can preach. A quartet can sing. A choir can sing when people are eating the Word of God. But boy, when you see people looking at their watches, yawning all over the place, mister, let me take by with that. I remember every night he came from Georgia Tech and sat on the front row on the aisle, that yellow pad. But Saturday night I said to Fred C. Naples, Fred, what are we going to sing for the invitation? And old Fred said, Just as I am without one plea, O Lamb of God, I come. And when that great congregation stood that old boy from Georgia took through that yellow notebook just as high in the air as he could and screamed, i got to get saved. I said, Praise God. I'm glad the preaching of the Word of God convicted him. You know what he said when he testified after he got saved? He said, I'd go back to the dormitory every night and when I'd cut off the lights, I'd see that old preacher standing over my bed and I'm taking that thing and stick it right out of my nose. He said, Boy, that preacher." I couldn't get away from. Let me say to you, beloved, God calls through preaching. Secondly, God calls through praying loved ones. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? I'm glad somebody prayed for me. What a blessing it is to pray, to pray for loved ones to be saved. I tell you, when we say, God, I'll not let you go till you save my loved one. Brother Biggish is going to pick up. And what a privilege it is to pray for lost people. I wonder if you prayed for that lost neighbor. I wonder if you prayed for that lost child. I, and we need to pray. God calls to pray, loved ones. Let me show something. And I, of course, I don't think you know what this means, so I won't even hardly mention it. Calvinism and Armenianism, and and, and uh, uh, some of you may not know what five-point Calvinism is. And I'm not a five-point Calvinist and by no means. But I couldn't have gone to hell for anything this way. You say you could have gone to hell. No, I couldn't. God gave me a little mountain mother. And she'd draw me up in her lap when I was a little boy and pray for me and the tears had come down her cheeks. And fall on the back of my neck. And my mother'd say, God, I'm not going to let you go till you save my boy. Well, you'll not go to hell with a praying mother like that. You'll not go to hell with a new mother that'll hold on to God by faith in holy prayer. There's no way that a man can go to hell with a praying mother like that. I believe they'll pray you through. Glory to God, I'm feeling pretty good. Hallelujah! oh, you say, Preacher, how does God call to pray in love ones? You said, well, I got off the airplane in Knoxville. I went down to Sweetwater, North Sweetwater Baptist Church. I never shall forget that experience. We went to a little home to eat, and this couple said, Preacher, we have only one boy. He's a drunk. He's in the army down in Texas. I prayed for two years since I found out he was coming, that he'd come and be saved this week. And, oh, that little mother, we sat down with her husband and the dear pastor at that little table in that little home in Sweetwater, Tennessee. And when the preacher said, Do you want me to pray? She said, No, I want to pray. And she tried to, and she said, I can't. She said, Let my husband pray. She said, We don't have but one boy, and his name's Leroy. And Leroy is an alcoholic. And he's a No! And he needs to be saved. Now then we'll forget the husband. And then finally, the pastor tried to pray. And when he got through, tears were flowing. That little mother fell down by that table and said, Y'all eat. While you eat, I'm going to pray for Leroy. I'm going to pray that God's great arm will reach all the way out to Texas, that army camp, and get a hold of old Leroy, and save Leroy. And brother, I went to church that night all stirred up. Brother Kenneth, I preached that night like I never preached before. And when I got through, guess who came to the altar? That little mother came running down, fell on the altar. And said, God save Leroy. Uh, The next night, that little mother came running down the aisle. The next night, the next night, uh, until Saturday night. uh, And she was down in the altar praying. And I got, I was giving the invitation, and I looked up in the foyer of the church. uh, The door opened back there at the foyer. And an old boy standing there with a techie uniform on, with his hair down in his eyes. And a little techie. Army cap in his hand, came running down that aisle and fell in the altar and said, Oh God, it's really me!" And when he said it's me, that little mother said, Lord, that's Leroy. Praise God. And she jumped up, ran over there and grabbed him around the neck. I want to tell you, we had a shouting time. Oh, you say, Why? Because God calls to pray loved ones, God calls to preach. Thirdly, God calls through the precious Holy Spirit. I'm glad Jesus said it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But if I go away, I'll send another. And when he is come, he'll convict you of sin, of righteousness, oil, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit has to do the conviction. But oh, happy days. Boy, when he gets old of you, he begins to convict you of your sin. And he holds the judgment of God up in front of you. And he holds sin up in front of you. And he holds the world up in front of you. I want to tell you, mister, it won't look too good anymore. And you say, preacher, what happens? He draws. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draws him. But he's drawing some of you right now. Thank God he's talking to some of you right now. And what a blessing it is when the Spirit of God draws people. God calls through the precious Holy Spirit. Years ago, I was in Brightwood Baptist Church in Greensboro. Brother Kenneth knows the church. I was there in the old church, not the big new one out on the highway, the old ones when I, I, I was at this particular time. And they had a fellow in that church, and he read singing. His name was Ham. Boy, that's good. That's the best part of the a, a Say Amen right there. And he, he'd leave singing. And I, uh, every night I'd say to Brother Ham, Brother Ham, what are we going to sing? He'd say, uh, Just as I am or something. And old oh, Brother Ham would lead us in song. And boy, there's a little old young feller back there every night. He'd stand up and just tremble. He'd hold on to the back of that gauge and the tears would spring down his cheeks. And on Friday night, he shot out of that church and went home. I didn't know where he'd gone. About 2:30 that morning, I was in the Holiday Inn on 29. They'd let me have a car. I'd park it in front of the motel room. My phone rang about 2:30, and I said, "Hello," and a man said, <coughs> "And was coughing." <coughs> I just put my hand over the phone. I knew what was wrong. That was that fellow that ran out under holy ghost conviction. You know what I said? I said, choke him good. Choke him good. Praise God. He ought to have got saved here tonight. Choke him good. And praise God. I want to tell you something, Mr. We had a, and he finally said, Brother Mays, I'm the fellow that ran out of the church. He said, I'm dying. When he started coughing again, I put my hand over the and I said, soak him good. Soak him good in old-fashioned holy ghost conviction. I'll tell you, you won't have to pull those kind down the aisle. That's God you won't have to twist their arm. I'm glad when God gets a hold of you. And spiritual conviction when it comes to you, you'll be glad come to Jesus. And I'll tell you back, that boy said, the Mays said, I want to get saved. I said, you can get saved tomorrow night. Oh, he said, I can't wait. Lord God, I might go to hell. He started coughing. I just put my hand over the phone and said, Choking good, him good, choking good. good. And then, brother, I said, what do you want? He said, would you meet me at Brightwood Church? I said, yes, sir. I said, I'll meet you at Brightwood Baptist Church. I got over there before he did. It was about three a little after. He pulled up and he got out of his car and he's just a coughing young fellow, maybe 19 or 20-year-old, fine-looking young man. And he came across the lawn there to church. I was standing up there at the door. He said, Preacher, do I have to go inside the church? I believe I'm going to die. And he started coughing. I just said, God, really? Let him think he's going to die. And then he looked up and he said, can I get saved right here? I said, you sure can. He fell right down on his knees. I fell across him and put my arm around him. That boy called on God and Jesus for salvation. And when he got saved, he jumped up and said, ah! Ah! And I said, what's your eyeing about? He said, I'm not coughing anymore. What happened? I said, you've got some Holy Ghost sir. I right down there. Hallelujah. I said, God Almighty saves you. I'm glad for the call of the precious Holy Spirit. Now notice something else quickly. God calls to Providence. That means everyday happenings, a hospital visit. Well, that means a time when something goes wrong in life. And then you wake up and say, God, why did I have to come to this place? Why did I have to get in this condition before I turn my life over to you? Brother Jim, I'm glad I didn't wait. But I was old and shit. I'm glad, praise God, as a young man, second year student taking final exams at North Carolina State College at that time. Hillsborough Street. Raleigh, really? North Carolina. It was on a Friday night at a quarter to nine. I can take you to the place if I haven't told Pouring that old dormitory down, I can show you where God saved me. And He saved me so good I've never gotten over it. And I've been praising God ever since, enjoying the great blessings that God blessed me with. Oh, but providence, providence. I was up at the hospital this summer. I want to thank you for praying for me. Somebody asked me, said, Why do you care about everything I do? I do it because God spoke to me back. I started carrying a red Bible before Billy Graham but Bob Hines had never thought about a red Bible. I've been carrying one for forty-five years. You've never seen me with anything but a red Bible. A dying man, forty-five years ago, handed me a Schofield red Bible and said, Names uh, preach out of it and every time you preach. Uh, Remember it's red, uh, and the blood's red, uh, and what can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus! I tell you, God, let me. But you know, every time I've ever been to your church or anybody else's church, on Sunday afternoon, I have you to write down in your Bible, pray for Brother Mays and God. Thousands of people this summer got out on their knees when they said I was dying. And boy, I want to tell you, they rang the prayer bells of heaven. A man walked in my room 11 days after I came out of the intensive care unit, And he said, Brother Mays, he said, I wouldn't be here. But, oh, I've been running from God. And he said, I want to get right with God. And he fell down to my bed, and the Lord saved him. And he said, Preacher, I don't believe that you had to have that heart attack in order for me to get saved. But he said, I sure am glad that Jesus saved me. And what a blessing that is for And so we see the first key is the great call. Secondly, we see the great refusal. You see, the Bible said the king hath need of thee. But he ignored the call of God. He refused the call of God. You see, I believe man can say no to God. I believe man can reject the call. I believe a man can stiffen his neck and say no to the Holy Spirit. There are two kinds of people that can reject the call of God. First, the Christian. God has something for you to do. Uh, I don't know what it is, but God has never saved a man. uh, That He didn't give him at least one talent. Uh, And you've got a talent, at least one, uh, to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank God I'm glad. I tried to use the talent. I told you when God called me to preach. Of course, I I went home after school was out. And I got home. I knew God has called me to preach. And i skinny; you can't believe it. Had more hair than Liberace; so you can't believe that. Can. God is calling me to preach. And i skinny; you can't believe it. Had more hair than Liberace; so you can't believe that. Can. But I want to tell you something, boy. I, I got to. I, I got so I couldn't sleep at night, and God was telling me to preach, and I said, "Lord, I don't look like a preacher." And I don't sound like a preacher. Every preacher I've ever seen, fat and bald-headed, God said, go ahead and preach and I'll accommodate you and give you both." Praise the Lord. I want you to know, mister, I knew that God was calling me. I knew the Lord was speaking to me. And I borrowed my daddy's old 34 dogs. I never will forget it. Had one of them old crooked keys. And I got in that thing. And I said, God, I'm saved. I'm not preaching. And I drove up to a little old church where later I said, revival. Upper Baptist Church, just out of Hendersonville. I went out to the Upper Baptist Church, and I pulled up to that little church, and I said, God, we're going to settle this thing now. Now we're going to settle it. I said, Mother, has been everything but a preacher in the Baptist Church. She taught the B-Y-P-U and the X-Y-Z's. I mean, she taught everything that was to teach. And I said, Daddy, he's been everything but a preacher. And, Lord, I'll do anything, but I can't preach. that said, it right now. And as I reached over to cut that old Dodge Kills. I saw a cemetery. I forgot I pulled up between the cemetery and the church. And if you know, every tombstone wink at me and stuff his tongue out. And I said, Lord, have mercy, excuse me. I'll go to preaching. And the best sermon I ever preached in my life was going back home. I preached to that old God's stern wheel. I want you to know God spoke to that stern wheel. I wished I had that sermon, the greatest burden lifted from my shoulders. And I said, Lord, I'll try. If you'll help me, God, I'll try. If you'll touch me, God, I'll try. And no man can preach without the touch of God upon him. No man can do that. But did you know Christians can say no to God? Jonah my Bible says, listen to what the book says. And the word of God came unto Jonah. And said, Go down to Nineveh. And he said, No, I'm not. I'm going to go to Tarsus. And he bought his ticket at Joppa to go to Tarsus. And, Mister, he said no to God. Later on, he was sorry after the fish ride that he said no to God. Moses tried to excuse himself by the burning bush when God said, Moses. I have come down to lead my people out. I want you to tell them that we're leaving Egypt and we're getting over into Canaan, the land of promise, the land of glory, for my people here on earth. And Moses said, "But, but, 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 but Lord, and God said, quit that stuttering. Bless God, you're going to go and tell my people. And you know, Moses got all excited and started stuttering. And he said, Lord, if they ask me who sent me, what shall I say? He said, Tell them the I am of the I am, Jesus. And he said, Lord, who'll go with me? He said, Tell them, I'll go with thee, I'll be with thee. And Jesus said, Lo, I am with thee always. Now, a little girl came up the first of the week and asked me to tell this, So I'm going to tell it. Listen, I remember one time, you know, my wife, and God, and, you know, and I don't, Kenneth knows my son uh, uh, that's a preacher there in the left. But listen, I remember one time I came in. I had to go to the post office in Atlanta. You had to go downtown, down the Peachtree Street. And uh, I, I, I always hated to go downtown in Atlanta. I lived probably out and used to live in the country. But the country's moved out. The city's moved out to the country where I live now. But I, I never forget that day, I went in and my wife was typing, I said, God, I want you to go with me down to the mail, get to the mail. Oh, she said, Maze, I've got so much to do, you just go by yourself. And I said, well, bless the Lord, but just keep on typing, if you don't want to go with me. I said, bless God, i would go across the hall and get my boy. No, I went over there and go was picking out songs. He was selecting some songs for the quartet and... And for the choir, I said, Nolan, would you like to ride down with me to pick up the mail? He said, Daddy, why don't you go alone? And boy, that really wounded me. And I started out to my car, and I've got good neighbors. Brother Kenneth knows. I've got good neighbors. And as I walked out there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, maybe your wife's too busy talking, and your son's too busy selecting choir music and quartet music. He said, but I'm... I created all there is that you see and all that there is for, of creation. I made it all, and I'm not too busy to go with you. And I went around to the other side of my car and opened the door and said, Jesus, get in, and he got in. And praise God, if you ever ridden down to, to five points in Atlanta, Georgia, talking to the Lord and policemen looking at you like you think you're crazy. And that day I pulled up behind the post office. And when I did, there's a black man, short male up there, and I, I got around my side, went on the other side and opened the door, and I said, Jesus, get out. That black man said, I ain't seen nobody. Get out of there. I said, I know you ain't seen nobody, but he got out of I said, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me, I'm his own, and he's with me. Hallelujah. And you know what I did? I went in, and I knew he was superstitious. And so I got the mail, and I came back out, and he got behind a big, all oh, big pile of, uh, of mail sacks. And I went around, opened the door, and said, Jesus, get in. And I saw the white of two eyes people around those sacks, and he said, Lord, Brother Mays, I sure wouldn't want you to be my pastor. I said, why? He said, you're too spooky. He said, that's what you are. I said, no, bless God. I'm glad that he walks with me and he rides with me. And he's not too busy. Listen to me. I don't care. If you have to ride alone. Jesus will always be with you. Thank God He'll be with you every step of the way. He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And I'm glad that the Son of God will be with you, brother. What a blessing that is. But here's Moses. He said, Lord, and the Lord said, I'll be with you. And so a Christian can uh, say no to the call of God. Secondly, a lost man can say no to the call of God. You say, no, he can Yes, he can. I can go through the Bible. And show you places where lost people said, No, God. Let me mention just one. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 2 said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? You know who said that? Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, I'll not let Israel go. And who is the Lord that I should obey him? You know what people are saying all over America? Who is God that I should serve Him? I'll tell you what they'd better be doing. They'd better be making their peace of calling an election sure. They'd better be making preparation to leave this whole world. Praise God. I'm glad I've made my preparations. I'm ready to go, washing Calvary's flow. And what a blessing that is. But a sinner can say no to God. Now, Brother Kenneth used to preach down after Jubilee when I had it in Atlanta. And he, he remembers, I'd say to Carl Smithwick, who was the warden, the big penitentiary there every year. I'd say, Carl, stand up over here. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Well, Carl Smithwick was one of the best friends I've ever had. And Carl Smithwick for 32 years was warden over there. And I'd go over and preach to those friends. Boy, I'd go over there and we'd have the office time you ever seen. I remember one Sunday morning I was over and I'd say, Now, Carl, I've got to get out of here early he said, well, you know, you're supposed to be out of here but ten minutes to nine anyway. And I got to, well, I got up there, and my boy came down this quartet, and I said, Nolan, get your quartet back there and get on your knees. I said, these prisoners can tell when God's on you. I said, some of these old cold Baptist churches around town, they don't know the difference where God's around and what God isn't. I said, but you go back there. Those prisoners, they're hard, and they know. And he went back there and came back, and he sat and He got up and started singing. And he said, here's the last song, Dad will come to preach. And when he said that, and when he finished singing, an old boy raised his hand back there and said, Mr. Jackson, would you sing father along? We'll know more about it. And he said, sure, I'll sing a, we'll sing a stanza for you. And they sang a stanza. And boy, that got me stirred up. And I got to preaching and got to crying for every man there was some mother's darling, some wife's a husband, some little girl's daddy. God got to showing me they were precious souls, and I got spared, and I got to preach. And I went past uh, ten minutes to nine. I went to five minutes after nine. I looked at my watch and said, Uh-oh! Oh. I tell you, i preached too long. One fellow over here raised his hand and said, Keep on preaching. We ain't going nowhere. Praise God. And brother, I kept on preaching. And I remember one day I came down, Doc said to me, Carl's got somebody that he needs for you to see. I went over there to the penitentiary. Carl said, go back here with me to the padded cells. Go back here to isolation. I went back there, and there's a man, 52-year-old man. He had a little white up here in his temples. And, and Carl said, you know who this is, fella? And that man said, no, I don't know who it is. And Carl said, this is Brother Mays. You hear him on the big gun here in Atlanta every day. The man said, yeah, I've heard you. He said, Mr. Jackson, he said, I killed those two women. He said, I want you to know I killed them because I was running from God. And years ago, I said, God, I'll not yield to your call. And he said, for 32 years, I've been running from God. I said, how old are you? He said, 52 years old, he said, when I was 20 years old, I was holding my sick baby in my arms in Smyrna, Georgia. My wife was on the phone calling the doctor. My sister was standing there by me, and he said, as I looked at that baby, that baby died. But before that baby died, it seemed that baby called me from heaven and said, it's time to repent. He said, I reached over, Brother Mays, and gave that bagel to my sister. Ran out the front porch, off the front porch. My wife threw the phone down, ran, said, Where are you going? He said, I'm running from God. But he said, I was 20 then. I'm 52 now. For 32 years, I've run from God. But I'm ready now. Preacher, to call on him and ask God to save me.' He said, You tell people, wherever you go, But a sinner can say no to God, and when he does, he's in trouble. I said, yes, sir, a lost man can say no to God. But let me mention the last thing because of time. Listen to me. Not only have the great call, not only have the great refusal, but we have the great price. There's a price to be paid when a man ignores the call of heaven. There's a price that a man's going to pay. If he runs from God, every man in this Bible that ignored God's call, listen to me, he had to pay the price. Every person that ran from God had to pay the price. Now, when the call of God comes to you, nothing but receiving that call and saying, Lord, speak like little Samuel said, will ease your weary soul, and will save you, because the Bible said with the heart, man believe and with the mouth confess is made of the salvation, and until you come to call upon the name of the Lord, let me tell you, you're in trouble, and you're in danger, and you're going to pay a price for the Bible said the way of the transgressors hard. I could stand here and talk to you for another hour and a half and tell you about young girls and young boys, old men and old women that have paid great prices for... The things they committed and the things that they did to their God. Mister, you'll not always be able to insult the Lord. You'll not always be able to ignore the Lord. You'll not always be able to say, God, I'll do as I please. I don't have time for you and your grace and your mercy and your love. It's terrible. I remember how he knocked at my door. And praise God, I opened that door, and Jesus came in. And I've never regretted a night, a day, that I've lived for the Lord Jesus. And, mister, you will not regret a day that you've lived. I had, I've, I've signed thousands of Bibles, but I never let but one man sign my Bible. I went to see him the other day. I knelt over his bed in Lynchburg, Virginia, in the hospital. I said, Brother Acre, how old are you? He looked up and said, I'm 115 years old. He said, I'm preaching every other week, having the best time I've ever. I said, how long have you been saved, Brother Ethan?" He said, Brother Mays, I've been saved 92 years said, I've been preaching 90 years of my life. I said, Are you glad you heard God when you were a young boy? Oh, he said, Preacher, I'm glad. And I heard the voice of God. He said, I was a school teacher, and I knew God was calling me. And he said, I was teaching school. And as a young 25 year old man, he said, God called me. And he said, I heard that call, and I've been preaching for 90 years. And he said, I want to preach at least five more. I said, praise God, I want at least five more years to tell the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave me a dollar. And he said, Brother May, he said, I don't have much money, but I hear you on the radio. And I know your bills are thousands of dollars. And he gave me a dollar. To him, it was so big. And I said, would you sign it? I wouldn't spend that, bless God, if I had to thumb back to Atlanta, Georgia. If you know that? Oh, i get that daughter out and i say, praise God. Lord, I'm glad that you called it. Ninety-two years ago! And thank God he got saved. And then two years later, he started preaching. And he never, never wanted to turn back. He said, preacher, I've never wanted to turn back. He said, I've been discouraged. But there's nothing to turn back to. He said, I've had heartaches and disappointments in my family. But said, praise the Lord. I want to go on. He said, I can almost see the goal line now. And he would tapped those little hands. And a nurse came up. And she said, I came on today. And I want to see the oldest man that's ever been in this hospital. He said, lady, I want you to look at me. But said, I want to tell you something. If you want to see me after I leave here, you've got to be saved because I'm going to a city where that the saints will be young forever and where we'll live forever. And I took his hand and had prayer with Brother Aker there in the hospital. And he said, Preacher, he said, I heard you preach on when God set your body to his own He said, I'll never forget what you said when... And that servant knocked on Joab's door and said, Joab, the king wants to see you now. And said he didn't come, so the king set his barley field on fire. Then Joab ran and fell down at the king's feet and said, Why, why did you set that barley field on fire? He said, I called you he wouldn't come. I preached this sermon 29 years ago. And I preached the one tomorrow night. I think Brother Kenneth told me he said, the one you're preaching tomorrow night, I heard you preach at Brother May's twenty-five years ago. I preached this maybe thirty years ago. And before I left the house, my little baby boy, he's four years old. He came to me and he said, Daddy, I heard you praying. And he said, You're gonna preach on God's bar to people. And I don't want the Lord to burn no fire. And I reached down picked that little boy up and held him and said, Son, you're my barnacle. I don't want to have that barney burned. Old Brother Aker said, I heard you tell that. But he said, I heard you tell about Brother Roy. I said, yes, 29 years ago, I went down near Augusta, Georgia, in the South Carolina Valley, put up a big tent. One of my best friends came up to me and had gotten out of fetishism. He said he'd quit the church, and he'd quit God. And I said, Roy, you can't. I said, you know, you've got a little boy there, four years old. And that little boy said, that's your barbecue, Roy. You heard me preach on that." And I said, your wife can't have another child. Please, Roy, come back to God. He said, no, they made me mad down in that Sunday school class at that church, and I'm not coming back to church. and oh... I was, in, I was in Dayton, Ohio, six months later. My phone rang in that motel, and I picked it up, and they said, just a moment, for Clearwater, South Carolina. I didn't know who it was, just out of Augusta, calling me. And I heard a man, at took funeral home, say, Mays, this is Roy. He said, God set my wife on fire a while ago. And he said, Mays, God, took a little sonny on to heaven. And, boy, I said, Roy, I'm in a meeting here in Dayton, Ohio. I said, Roy, I said, let me ask you something. How did it happen? He said, I was sitting on the porch. And he came up and he's playing with this little ball in the yard and asked me to come out. And I said, no, I've got to go to work now. I'm tired. And he said, I was reading Augusta Chronicle. And then I heard him crying. And I pulled the paper down and said, why are you crying, son? He, he said, Daddy, I don't care whether you ever come out and play ball with me or not. But said, will you go to Sunday school with me next Sunday? Daddy, will you go to church with me next Sunday? And he said, I was mad. And I said, no, your mother will take you to church and I'll buy your clothes. And you leave me alone. But he said, you know what? He said, I pulled that paper back over my face. And that little boy threw that ball up. And if you've ever been down there, you know from Aiken, South Carolina there. I believe it's Highway 25 or 27 or 29, something like that. Goes right down from Aiken into Augusta. And he said, my little boy threw that ball. It went over into the road and two boys coming down from Aiken going toward Augusta. 85 or 90 saw my little boy running across the road to get his ball. Slapped on the brakes and the car wouldn't stop and they hit my boy. I, I heard that crash and I pulled pull that newspaper down and I saw little Sonny cast over in a ditch from that car. He said, I said, oh, my God, my God, my God. He said, I jumped over that rail of that little house there on that mill village, run, ran across that lawn, ran over that course and picked him up. and said he was bleeding in his eyes, bleeding in his nose, bleeding in his mouth. And I could tell he was choking to death on his blood. And I said, Sonny, is there anything that he can do? He said, yes, baby." go to Sunday school with me Sunday morning. He said, I kissed him, held him in my arms. (laughs) They called an ambulance, but it was too late, man. He's gone. He said, would you come and preach his funeral? I flew down, and in those days I had to fly DC3s. I flew down. It took a long time. We stopped many times. He met me at the airport, and I went to the church, and and preached the funeral after it was over. He lived two blocks from the church. I told him he was going to have to take me in about a couple of hours to catch a plane back. And we missed him, the three preachers and his wife standing in the living room talking and was getting ready to go back to the grave, but he slipped his camera out. And he went back and he took a picture of all the beautiful flowers, and then he laid his camera down. And his wife said, We can get there. I bet he's at the grave, Brother Mays. We ran out and got in the car and went there. Roy was kneeling on that grave and holding his Bible up singing, Where he leads me, I'll follow. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And I stood there and I said, Oh, God, that was his barley field. Oh, God, you have the burn his barley field. I want to tell you something. God ever sets your barley field on fire, it'll burn to the ground. And you'll wish a million times that you'd have heard the call of God and answered that call and answered the plea of heaven. I tell you, it's an awful thing to have your body feel mine. Every head matter, I close all the house. Thank you for listening.